sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. And good afternoon. Welcome back. It's Fantasy Sports Today, the second hour of our show right here on Sports Grid. I'm Craig Mish. He's Joe Pizzapia. Follow me on Twitter at Craig Mish. Follow Joe on Twitter at Joe Pizzapia17. And follow us at Sports Grid. We've got a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week channel here, folks. If you've never seen us before, here's what you're missing. Wagering talk, fantasy talk, reality talk, great guests, a lot of fun. And Joe, certainly a lot of updates on baseball, basketball, and football. And if you want to go back and watch us in the on-demand version of our number one, we went through every single baseball scenario with players who were in and players who were out. We talked about Fran Mill Reyes not being a part of the Cleveland Indians for not doing the smartest things in the world. And, and Joe, this is sort of the fear, I think, for a lot of major leaguers is that guys just don't know when things are serious and how to behave. And that was a case that came down yesterday. Well, and the other thing that always knocks me out is you always look at when an organization moves a player who has a lot of talent and is young and somewhat controllable, you go, why did that player get moved? And sometimes you start to understand that as the career kind of moves on. <laughs> you start to say, oh, I see why. There's a little bit more to this than just the talent. And this is kind of that X factor that I always want to talk to people about in their dynasty and keeper leagues. It's you can love a player based on their talent, but at the same time, don't forget about the character issues too, because some of the character things really end up coming into play and they end up potentially costing you gains or costing this player uh, bigger years in their career than they can have. And, you know, we've seen it time and time again, and we'll continue to always see it in sports. But it's one of those things, whenever you see a player who's young, who's got a lot of talent, get dealt, and you kind of scratch your head and say, that kind of came out of nowhere. Sometimes there might be more to that, and you should at least investigate it further or take that into consideration when you're bidding on them or when you are potentially making a trade for them or even getting offers for them. You might say, wow, this player's really good. He's really young, though. And I think if you looked at it last year, you see Fran Mill get traded. You go, oh, wow, that's kind of interesting. That's not what I expected. But, you know, sometimes there's more reasons behind some of these moves than meets the eye. And I think you have to take that into account when you're making your fantasy adjustments into things because it's one of those uh, under-discussed things. And the opposite is true, too. The players like Derek Jeter, who might not, you know, Derek Jeter did not have the same God-given abilities that Alex Rodriguez did on his own team, right? But the one thing Derek Jeter will always do is he'll always hustle out that ground ball. He'll always do that one extra thing. And the funny thing is that one time he does that in the game, he gets on first base, then he, you know, gets on second base from a pass ball. Next thing you know, he scores a run when someone drives him in. These things don't show up in the box score, but those, those little character issues of the way certain guys go about their business as professionals, that actually does matter. And I think it's something that you should, again, kind of put in the plus column of certain players when you're evaluating them in fantasy. All right. Well, uh, from baseball to basketball we go, and we got a lot of news to get to here in the NBA, and we are uh, fast approaching uh, a two-hour television special on the return of the NBA in a couple of weeks. They're saying it's the longest regular season special they've ever had for a game, and so uh, that'll be on up against the first night of Major League Baseball on the 23rd. Um, look, for many years, the uh, Eastern Conference in the NBA has always been very good, but it's always been very bad at the end. I mean, the 7, 8, and 9 seed, the 8 seed usually is sub-500, sometimes a 7 seed too. And for whatever reason, that is never going to change. I don't know why, but it, but this year we're, we're down to the same thing again. And we came uh, down with news yesterday that basically eliminated one team from that possibility, and that was the Washington Wizards. Uh, Bradley Beal, who uh, has a shoulder issue, rotator cuff, uh, basically opted out, saying that he is not going to return. Uh, FanDuel's odds went up significantly uh, for the Wizards. You can make a fortune if they somehow make this thing. Uh, they're four and a half games out of the final playoff spot from the Orlando Magic. And, of course, uh, the Nets uh, had their own issues yesterday. As Spencer uh, Dinwiddie uh, was announced that out of an abundance of caution was the quote that I saw. Uh, he is not going to uh, be a member of the Brooklyn Nets as they play their eight-game series, and that puts them in peril, too. So I suppose, uh, listen, I mean, the Magic are sitting in the catbird seat. They're playing at home. They have a, a relatively easy schedule over the last eight games, better than the Nets and the Wizards at this point. And I think that there's you know, certainly a chance that the Nets could lose a lot. 
But I don't see any other teams besides Brooklyn or Orlando making the playoffs in the East. I think the Wizards are done. Yeah, it would certainly seem that way. And uh, as you always tell me on this show, anything can happen in sports. That's uh, Craig's favorite little thing here. So even though players are leaving some of these teams as the weirdest times or the worst times, depending on what your situation is mentally as a team, it doesn't mean that a team is out. So just understand that. We a lot only of people have a few Wizards are going to go 0 and 8. Uh, well, I mean, it's possible. It's certainly possible at this point. Lost in time. their best player. I mean, you know, Bradley Beal. I mean, this is this is basically his way of pushing himself out of Washington. I know that he ended up staying with them this year, but uh, he 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 may end up being <laughs> the most coveted signed player uh, to potentially go to a, another team next year. Uh, the prop to to for the eighth seed right now, uh, the Nets are minus two sixty. The Magic are plus two ten. And uh, the Wizards are now plus 2,700, so 27 to, uh, to 1. Uh, the other news that we saw yesterday, this is good news for me because I bought a few of his basketball cards thinking there'll be a little bit of a bump in the playoffs. And then he said, oh, I may not play. Dwight Howard. <laughs> <laughs> Dwight, How- Dwight Howard was like, you know what, Dwight Howard, he may be a Hall of Famer. Let me grab a few, a few of his basketball cards. He's going to be with the Lakers. Maybe they win the championship, and then I'll get rid of them all. You know, it's like you got to think of it that way. Uh, and, and so he announced... Uh, that he is going to come back, Joe, and he is going to play for the Lakers, and he's going to donate his salary as well uh, for for coming back. But Howard, one of the great defensive players in the NBA, and has bounced around quite a bit over the last few years. But this was good news for me. <laughs> that I, I didn't <laughs> well, throw away my as, money on his uh, cards. As long as we can save the investments in the Craig Mish household of uh, of sports cards. We are we are very happier to do. Where am that. I going to find forty dollars now? It's like <laughs> I don't know. You got to wait for the next documentary of uh, of something in order to uh, start buying rookie cards ahead of that. But look, it's um, a good job by him donating the salary to charity. That's fantastic. I mean, that's a guy that's made a lot of money in his NBA career. I think we can all uh, look back and say Dwight Howard, whether it makes the Hall of Fame or not, Dwight Howard is set for life. So that is a, a pretty good scenario, and I'm sure his kids are set for life, barring any kind of weird investments that he might have done. But a good job by him doing this, and uh, I, I hope some other players follow suit who are in a financial posi- uh, position to do that. We know not every athlete makes the same money as LeBron James makes, so uh, they got to get what they can when they can get it. But the ones that have made enormous amounts of money over their careers in this scenario and what's going on, I think it's a great idea. And uh, again, I, I think it's very important. I know a lot of the players were talking about trying to decide whether or not they felt it was the proper thing to play at all under what's going on in the social scheme of things here in this country. And and I it seems like we're trending in the, you know, everyone's going to pretty much go out there and play. And that's a good thing because I think that it's a platform. We are trending that way? I wasn't I think we are. Well, I think we are. I mean, I don't see LeBron James sitting out. Do you? I don't that's think so, but... But, you know, it's like I know I like hate day We're that changes. Get... I mean, did you see Bruce Arians comments yesterday? No, I did not. Actually, what did oh, Bruce Arians have to say? Bruce Arians. Here's the quote to the Tampa Bay Times. We've got to be careful. The players, they're all going to get sick. That's for sure. It's just a matter of how sick they get. You Thank know what? You. Not a hot take. <laughs> I mean, really? Well, and, and they're in Florida, right? So I think when you're looking at it, there's a he's not far off. You know, I guess, again, I, I, I know, but I mean, so much for optimism, you know? Well, I think realism is good. Optimism is good, too. Realism is equally good. I think realism is the most important thing, but optimism is right on its tail, Craig. Because if we don't have that, then I think we're all lost. I mean, no, really. I, really I, I, I agree. It's going to be a whole show of birthday. I think the reality uh, for football <laughs> is starting to kick in a little bit here, too. We're going to start doing birthdays here of, you know, other fantasy sports hosts pretty soon. Like, if we don't watch it, like, we got to hope for the best here. Yeah, I mean, look, I've been adverse to breaking down the Korean baseball organization for the KBO for the last two months. But you know what? I mean, we, we may have to get there. Hey, they've done a good job, haven't they? Right? They're they out have. there playing. So, Look, I mean, horse, we got horse racing, your favorite. My favorite. You know, if we don't have horse racing, where would we be? But, uh, yeah, KB, how come KBO was able to pull everything off? What happened it, there? Because their country kept things on lockdown and people were wearing masks and they were very careful. Yeah, Here we're having big parties. Here we're having big parties. Here we got Woo! Fred Mill Reyes hanging out at the club. All right. Fred Mill's out at the club. Everyone's throwing beads out the windows. Crazy things are happening. By, I by just, the way, he's not the only player. I think no, I know. We're not going to, you know, we're not going to just handle it all to Fran Mill. But you know what? When you get caught, you're going to be the poster child for it. 
You know, um, uh, listen, they should shame this guy. What is, I mean, come on. Is that all you can do, though? Like, I feel like all you can do is shame him, right? And do they care? It's an interesting question. Probably not. That's the sad part is people, they just don't care, you know? And it's, that's sad. This is a difficult thing to, uh, I mean, I'm sure I mean, it's not going to We can do an update every day. So here, so here's, so here, as, as we, as we get ready to break, I know we got Andrew Erickson coming up. We'll, we'll do this every single day until, until they start. So prediction. <laughs> pred, let's start with prediction in the this NBA, Joe. Will, will the NBA want. will the NBA play their eight games and full NBA playoff schedule? Yes or no? I'm not even doing over under at this point. Yes or I'll, no? Play I'll it all out. Gonna, I'm gonna go yes. I'm gonna okay. say they find a way to do it. The baseball, 60 games and postseason played out completely. I'm gonna say yes today. Today we're gonna do it every day. So and the NFL plays 16 games. Oh yes. Playoff Super Bowl. Yes. I don't even have to wait for it. Yes. If they have to play on the moon, the NFL is gonna play on the moon. Uh, I'll ask you, NBA, Greg. Do you think they're going to get through their eight games and the playoffs? I do. Okay, so one for one here. Major League Baseball. Do you think they're going to get through their regular season, 60 game season and playoffs? No. <laughs> NFL, do you think they're going to go through everything here and play? I think there'll be a delay in the season. Fair enough. I I could see that happening as well. I could see a weird delay or be a delay. So you're you're expecting baseball to go sour before it gets off the ground? Uh, I don't know about that, but I I just think that what we're asking in sports, the baseball's first, but what we're asking in sports to have something, it, 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 to me, here's what I hate the most. They're, <laughs> they're only willing to cancel this thing if something catastrophic happens. And if it does, it's all canceled. And why are we waiting for that to happen if there is inherent risk? That's what I'm just not clear about. And my fear is for football. That's where my fear is with that, because you have really big dudes, not all, I mean, in great shape, yes, but right. offensive linemen, defensive linemen, sure. and I am concerned that with that sport and the contact sport, regardless of what face mask they're wearing, will they have all the precautions to get it off the ground? Yes, I think so. But yeah, after it's hard to one, social distance on the offensive line. Yeah, there's that's not happening, and they're <laughs> on each other. Yeah, I mean they're literally standing there breathing on each that, other. And I think something's gonna happen, man. And I and I don't wish it, but but I do think they'll finish. I just think that. Something's going to happen where a stoppage comes in. My biggest fear of all is for college football at this point. That's my biggest See, one. They, the cannot, one they can't play without ask. fans. They can't that's, play with That's the one you asked me. I would, I would say no. Yeah, and that, that would be my one most. no. That's the one that I want to see It hurts the most, the most but, but they're not professionals. And I think it's very difficult kids, to tap that. Kids, you can't put them at risk. There's no right. fans. I, I just, I mean, it's it's a December start for them, I think, instead of September. I think that's the only way to, to, to consider it, which stinks. All right, um... Let's get back to some good news. Uh, fantasy football's coming your way next. Andrew Erickson joins us. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, yo, welcome back, everybody. Fantasy Sports Today, Joe Pizzapia here. And we often in the fantasy football and baseball world talk about the upcoming superstars. Well, I want to talk about one of the upcoming breakout stars of fantasy football coverage. And it's one of my good pals here. He is the newest member of Pro Football Focus's fantasy team. He's the one, the only Andrew Erickson. Andrew, welcome to the program, my friend. Good to have you. What's up, Joe? Mr. Blackbook himself. I'm excited to be on here. <laughs> Yes, well, I am wearing the black shirt today for this interview. I'm staying on brand as always, Andrew. Uh, so first off, congratulations on the new gig. That must be very exciting. And uh, I, I mean this from the bottom of my heart. You know, there's a lot of people out there who are continuously trying to, you know, for whatever reason, break into this crazy, wacky industry. And you've been one of them for a while and you work so damn hard. And uh, I got to actually hang out with you in person last year at FSGA and we had a great time, and I'm just so happy for you. Like, a year later, basically, here you are in this position. And I remember you just, like, still being all about that hustle, all about trying to make that work. And uh, it must be great to have that all kind of pay off because this is no little gig, man. This is a big deal. I'm very excited for you. Yeah, no, it's been – I've been really blessed for the opportunity with PFF, and I just can't wait for the season to start. 
there you every go. day. There you go. And of course, give him a follow over on Twitter immediately during this interview or after at Andrew Erickson underscore. So let's get at it. Let's get into the work. And I'm telling you, like, I've been reading these pieces and you were kind enough to uh, send me some of the links recently and they're outstanding. What, what I love about your work is you don't bog people down with too many stats. You give them the stats that justify the point of view, which I think is really important. And that being said, since you're a breakout star, let's talk about some 2020 breakout guys, whether they be guys who are rookies or uh, some people who might have been in the league for a couple of years, but maybe a new system, a new situation might be ready to break out. So who are some of those guys on Andrew Erickson's list here that we want to try to uh, get some other folks to buy in on here in 2020? Yeah, so one of my biggest guys for sure that I'm really trying to hype up as basically as much as possible is Calvin Ridley, the yes. Falcons wide receiver. And the reason being is the fact of the matter is the offense can just support so many mouths. You know, oftentimes we hear the cliche, no, there's too many mouths to feed. You can't. Not, not in Atlanta. They don't have they don't, they don't have enough people to catch all the passes that Matt Ryan's going to throw. That dirt cutter offense, they throw the ball so much, you know, over 600 passing attempts, it just seems like on a routinely basis. So Calvin Ridley is going to see enough targets, even if he's second fiddle to Julio Jones. And a really cool stat I found out about Ridley, and I think this kind of goes to show about how good of a receiver he really is, is that he doesn't really play in the slot. You know, no. you see a lot of these receivers move into the slot because it's like, oh, well, now they, you know, it's easier for them to get you know, a little bit more space, more space to work with. But Ridley is a outside receiver and his yards per route run, which is one of the more predictive metrics over at PFF on the outside, he ranked fifth um, in the NFL last year behind all the, all his top studs, Michael Thomas, Devontae Adams, Julio Jones, and Calvin Ridley's on that list. Yeah, he's on my list. I know he's on Tagliere's list. It's funny, like all of my friends who I respect, <laughs> we all seem to have the same opinion. You're going to love this too, because in Scott Fishbowl, it just so happened this way. I wasn't trying to do it, but I got Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, and Calvin Ridley. So I'm going to live and die with that bye week 11, I think, or whatever it is. It's fine, but I'm with you, man. I just feel like there's enough for everybody to eat when you saw Sanu leave last year. Uh, I, I thought you saw all of a sudden Calvin Ridley's had some moments in the past where he, oh my God, he's a number one. And I think kind of like Godwin last year, I feel like Ridley this year, like that guy who goes from number two to number one territory. And I, I'm all in with you on that one. Is there a lesser known breakout name too? Maybe another guy in a deeper league kind of floating around at a non-wide receiver position. Come on, give us, give us some nuggets here. Yeah. So I've been doing a lot of breakout pieces over at PFF about tight ends. Cause it's like, basically you got the top guys. And then after that, it's, all right, well, I got to figure out someone to start. So who are the guys you can look for? So someone interesting that I looked at was Jay Sternberger from the Green Bay Packers. And he was a tight end taken last year in the third round. And he didn't really get a chance to play because he was basically hurt all year. Caught a touchdown from Aaron Rodgers in the NFC Championship game. But after that, you know, it wasn't really much of a season. But Jimmy Graham is gone. Signed a lucrative deal with the Chicago Bears. God bless him. <laughs> and the and what's left over is Sternberger has a real chance to emerge as a, a number two option in that offense. You know, you have Alan Lazard, but that's really it. You have Devin Funches, right. and you have, you know, obviously Devontae Adams is the number one there. So I look at it as an opportunity for, hey, you as a tight end, you just need targets. Like, and then you need targets, and you need to be athletic. And that's what Sternberger was really good at in college, was yards after the catch. Um, and that's something that's kind of carried over with the kind of Shanahan system kind of being implemented in ways over mm -hmm. in Green Bay. So I could kind of see Jay Sternberger trying to mimic a George Kittle and ask of being a yards after the Cats monster um, because Jimmy Graham, you know, again, he's not a guy that's going to make yards after the catch. That's not his thing. <laughs> but, but, but last year he had a career high in yards after the catch being in a more Shanahan offense. So if Jimmy Graham can have a career high yards per catch, I'm confident that an athletic tight end like Sternberger would be able to emerge in an offense like that. Yeah, I thought that was a really interesting name that you threw out there, too. I read that in the piece, too. And, you know, I just keep looking. I think we all keep looking to try to figure out who it's going to be because it's got to be somebody else besides Adams in that offense catching the football. So it's it's very troubling, <laughs> I find, because I don't I don't have any faith in Funches and the other guys. Like, I think we all had that Allison MVS battle last year. Everybody uh -huh. chose a side. And the best part was nobody won. Nobody won. Everybody was wrong. Uh, so there you have it. Uh, but let's let's move on to some of the running backs, too, because I think whenever we're doing drafts, we're always looking for the undervalued drafts. And we're trying to find those guys that, you know, who kind of fall through the cracks a little bit of, you know, whether they be veterans, whether they be post type sleepers, guys like that. And I want to touch on a couple running backs here because 
just a few years ago, just like what two whole years ago, Le'Veon Ben Bell was basically a, a consensus top three overall selection. Now Adam Gase has completely ruined him, like he ruins everything, right? Uh, I feel like that show Adam ruins everything should just be replaced by Adam Gase ruins everything. I feel like I'd like to do that. But when we're looking at Bell this year, I have, I'm going to have a hot take here. Let's see if you agree with it. That there's a chance he could lead this team in receptions. Do you think that's crazy? And number two, do you think there's any upside here to Le'Veon Bell from where his ADP is? Yeah, I do think that that's actually in his range of outcomes. You look at the offense that they have there. They have Jamison Crowder, and that's kind of who everyone is kind of penciling in as like, yo, you'll be Jamison Crowder that leads the team in targets. But then after that, you know, Brashad Perryman, who, you know, basically just shows up anytime the whole team gets hurt. Denzel <laughs> Mims is a, is a rookie, so you don't really know what to expect from, you know, a rookie wide receiver. They're really wild cards. But yeah. Chris, Chris Herndon, I mean, is he going to play this year? <laughs> so we, we don't Does know. Does he ever play? We don't know, Andrew. These <laughs> so, are the problems we have to figure out. So we don't know. That's why I think Le'Veon Bell is secure in his role, and I think that people are just looking at the fact that, like, last year he was way overdrafted. Like, he was going in the first round, and he had missed a year of football, and no one seemed to care that he was going to the Jets. And I mean, I wasn't taking him the first round last year, but now you have – you're getting him at kind of, like, his floor value. Like, I still think mm -hmm. he's going to lead the team in touches. He's going to see – you know, he saw 300 touches last year. And right. so even if they pull back a little bit, like that offense cannot be nearly as bad as it was with Luke Falk, with <laughs> Sam Darnold back That's under open. center, hopefully. So I just think that the natural regression of the offense, even if it's just average, it's just going to help Le'Veon Bell convert more of his touches into touchdowns, into receptions. So I do think that he's undervalued at his current ADP. Because I think, yeah. yeah, I think he's really getting, at his, getting him at his floor. Yeah, I, I agree, too. I think it's a, it's a good value buy, especially if you already have like a really solid running back one in there. Then it's just a lot of upside with a decent floor. Um, I'm all with you there. What about David Montgomery? And that's another guy, too, kind of a polarizing figure. Uh, I liked Montgomery's opportunities last year, and he had opportunities, especially around the goal line. Problem was converting all of them. And look, quarterback play can really hurt you as a running back, because if you can't move those sticks, then you're going to eventually pull away opportunities to score. So what do you see 2020 holding for David Montgomery here? Is this an opportunity to buy low on a guy who disappointed last year? Or is this a guy we should stay away from because the quarterback situation maybe hasn't improved year over year? I kind of see it as a similar situation to the Jets, where you have a running back that's going to get a lot of touches and that's what I look at. You know, when you're outside of the first couple rounds, your first two rounds, you're just looking for guys that are going to touch the ball. Like, obviously, the most efficient backs have already been taken. So David Montgomery, he had 240 touches last year. Their direct backup running back is Ryan Nall. So I don't know who else they're going to give handoffs to. And he's still <laughs> involved in the, the passing game. You know, Tariq Cohen is obviously, you know, involved as a receiver as well. But again, he's really more involved as like a receiver. He doesn't really line up in the backfield that often. So he's like lining up in the slot and doing things like that. So Montgomery's going to still get all the touches. And if Nick Foles, you know, St. Nick, if he can come to come to town and deliver, I mean, that's all you got all upside with Montgomery. And again, I think, again, it's like Bell where you're just kind of getting him at his floor. You want a guy that's going to get a ton of touches and. I just don't see Montgomery not seeing around 240, 250 touches in 2020. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's kind of like that situation where Melvin Gordon disappointed his first year and then the next year all of a sudden things got better from there. I think sometimes that happens. It takes some guys a little while. Uh, real quick here, let's get to some of these wide receivers too. Cortland Sutton was a guy I had everywhere last year and DJ Shark was a guy I picked up everywhere last year. Now, these guys had some really great efficiency numbers. Maybe they didn't have the highest volume. Obviously, some of the quarterback play is questionable, but take them one at a time and take your time with them. Do you think that Shark and Sutton are two guys that you can look at going forward in 2020? And can they repeat the success that we saw in 2019 based on what's around them right now? Yeah, Quillen Sutton kind of looks, I, I look at him and I see him as a guy that's just going to be a target monster in mm -hmm. that offense. I think that they add a lot of pieces, but again, that time, that takes time to mold and mesh, you know, all the new cogs into the system. But the one thing that's constant is when Quillen Sutton was in the game with Drew Locke. Drew Locke was throwing the ball to Cortland Sutton. And mm -hmm. I could totally see things happening where Drew Locke is kind of like, you know, trying to be the quarterback that everyone wants him to be in Denver. And he's like, hey, you know what? You know what works? Throw it to Cortland Sutton. So that's what he's going to do. I mean, and you know what? To his, to his credit, he caught it. And he was, I mean, you know, to see, to see the points you put up last year with Flacco and Locke, I mean, that's pretty good. Like, I, I, I think it's only up from there. And Brandon Allen. Don't forget about that. <laughs> and Brandon, pardon me, Brandon Allen. If Brandon Allen's family is watching, I apologize for forgetting him last year. It was uh, a few games there to remember. <laughs> but 
Yeah, I'm just very confident in Sutton's target share. I think that he's going at a really good value, you know, in the fourth round. I think that he could potentially be, you know, top five in the league in targets. And what so. about DJ Shark, too? Because there's another guy that, you know, kind of came out of nowhere, seemingly. And there were a lot of people even in week two were kind of like, I don't know if I want to pick this guy up. And then they did. And then he had a couple other good games. But obviously, the Jaguar season was basically lost last year. So looking forward for this year, I think Minshew is definitely limited in what he's able to do. But is there enough there to get excited about him as a fantasy asset? Or basically, where he's going ADP-wise, is there enough of a return on the investment in your eyes? Yeah, there's definitely one thing that... So Minshew isn't you know, the greatest quarterback. He's obviously a six-round pick. But the one thing he does do well is throw the ball deep downfield. And he throws it down accurately. And that's really where Chark made his bread and butter as a vertical threat down the field. So that's why I really like the fit of, of Gardner Minshew. And the other thing that Minshew does as well is he scrambles. So instead of, you know, scrambling, checking it down, Minshew's going to roll out, you know, break left, break right, and then chuck it deep down to DJ Chark Jr. for, you know, an ADR touchdown. Like that's going to happen at some point mm -hmm. during this season. So I think that Chark's going to be there for big plays. And again, you know, I would say that there's more in that receiving core than in Denver, but Chark, you know, really coming out of last year, he really established himself as the the alpha receiver. So um, I think that he left some sour taste in people's mouths last year because he didn't finish super strong, but I like the fit with Minshew for sure. All right, everyone. He's Andrew Erickson again. He's pro football focuses newest fantasy football guru. Go check him out. Go follow him on Twitter at Andrew Erickson underscore. I'm telling you, man, you will be grateful you did. He's one of the best young minds of fantasy football out there, and that is no joke. Stick around. We're going to hit a break. We come back. More on fantasy sports today right here on SportsGrid. We'll be right back after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Watching Sports Grid. Get on the grid. FanDuel Sportsbook is the place to be to get involved in all of your wagering action for 2020, including the Major League Baseball season. As Joe and I run through every team before opening day on the 23rd, and it should be a very fun opening day as the New York Yankees will take on the Washington Nationals. The rest of the teams begin on the 24th. And Certainly, we'll run through them all. Go back on demand on our social media site, at SportsGrid. Takes you right to our website. And all of our videos on demand, where you can hear Joe and I breaking it all down. We are you know, sort of going in alphabetical order in Major League Baseball, going A all the way through the end. Now, the one team that we will not do is the Miami Marlins, as uh, I've explained here before on SportsGrid as it comes to wagering. Uh, the Marlins are the one thing that I don't do here on the show because I cover them. And so I feel like it's uh, somewhat of a conflict of interest so we pass on them. Uh, we'll always tell you how I think about them and their players, but in terms of betting, I don't get involved. So uh, we'll start off with the Milwaukee Brewers on today's show, and their total is 30 and a half for the 2020 season, the 60-game season. The over is trending toward 31 at minus 118. The under is minus 104. The Brewers are one of those lurking giant-type teams, Joe, because they have uh, a player that's arguably either the second or third best player in all of baseball. Yep. I can't name him the first. I think that's Trout. Uh, mm -hmm. But when Christian Yelich gets hot, he puts the team on his back, he carries them. And in a 60-game spot, if this guy gets hot, I mean, they could win 40 games. And it won't even matter who their pitching is. And so, you know, I hear so many interesting debates on whether pitching matters this year or if it doesn't matter this year. And the Brewers definitely do not stack up pitching-wise with other teams in the National League or not even within their division. But hitting-wise, they're still very formidable. And they actually are in a position to win right now. This is not a team that I think in two or three years is going to be very good. They they don't have the best uh, form system. And they also don't have, you know, the, the youngest players that are playing right now for them as well outside of Keston Hira. So uh, they, they kind of pieced it together with Justin Smoke and Avisel Garcia. These are mercenary guys on one-year deals. Mm -hmm. But but basically what FanDuel is, is telling you is flip a coin here when they put a mm -hmm. number like this at 30. Yeah, and, and you know what? That's obviously where it should be. But you're right. They do have an entity in Christian Yelich who can carry a team 
uh, two years ago, over two months, he had 22 home runs. So just put that, yeah. you know, in your perspective for a moment and realize how red hot a player can be. That's how hot Christian Yelich was just a few years ago at the end of 2018 in that season. And it was a, it was an epic run that I did not think he could live off of. And then he did in 2019. It was unbelievable. He's emerged not as a guy was, oh, this guy could win a batting title, but this guy is an MVP. That's a big jump there in a player. So if you thought his ceiling was one thing and then he goes MVP ceiling, that's another. And uh, it's a tough one, you know, because the Marlins are an organization that's unfortunately had to move on from players like Giancarlo Stanton, had to move on from players like Christian Yelich. And it's very difficult to replace that because I think you kind of hit on one of those players maybe every 10 years you get lucky. And if you're going to move on from two of them in a 10-year span, that's really well, they moved tough. on from four of them, really, but, you know. Um, well, true. True. But, but uh, Stan, you know, Stan's contract was just not. Oh, is it? Yeah, it was it was absolutely out of control. And unfortunately, that's, you know, that's the yeah. uh, economics yeah. of baseball. Well, it, it's true that they did all those things. It didn't help them that some of the players were asking to be traded. And also, let's, you know, uh, look, I'm not saying that the Marlins trade of Christian Yelich was a good trade. It was a horrible horrible trade and and they are it was. i mean regardless of how good monte harrison is they are not going to get return on that investment no. but, the, but no, the one no, thing no. that i would say is like patrick mahomes very similar situation there were 27 teams that had no interest in trading for christian yelich yeah blue jays were interested the cardinals were mildly interested and that was it so they got the best that they possibly could for a guy that didn't want to be there no one saw it coming and and here we are, you know, yeah, with, with them being that way. So I can't, in, I I can indict the Marlins for not getting good on their investment there for on their trade. That that I will say, but they, no, they didn't the time, have teams coming terrible. after them. Sure. So. Absolutely. Look, and and the moving to a Milwaukee is a great help too because yeah, the numbers cool. in Milwaukee are very good. It's a very hitter friendly environment for home runs, especially. But more to the point, this Milwaukee Brewer team actually I think is one of those teams that benefits from the sixty game season for two reasons. Number one. I think the pitching has some upside, but it's suspect. Now, the good thing about upside pitching is you only need it to be good for a short period of time. So if Brandon Woodruff can be good for a short period of time, if Josh Lindblom can carry over his success from Korea into you know spring training 1.0, he was very good in spring training, and then you want to have him potentially step up. Adrian Hauser's another one of these guys, too, that showed you some moments last year. So if you can get you know 10 starts out of each one of these guys – that are, you know, at least quality starts are going to keep in the game, that's a big positive. Then you also have a really good guy at the end of this bullpen who I think is a serious uh, young candidate this season in a 60-game season uh, in Josh Hader. Yeah, and he's then, the most important uh, part of this number. He probably is. He probably he, is. And the, He's the most important. It's rare to have him, but he is. Like, he is. Him, him not pitching well, this team is not going to be good. That's it. And this is a team, too, that we talked about it just last week. Of all the teams that could benefit the most from a DH in the National League, it's the Brewers. Because Ryan Braun, his body has kind of betrayed him over the last few years. Getting him some days where his bat's still in the lineup, but his glove doesn't have to be. He doesn't have to run all over the field or do anything. Avisel Garcia, not the greatest defensive player in the world. Uh, Justin Smoke on a one-year deal, too. You got two guys on one-year deals who have 25 home run potential. And a guy in Ryan Braun who has some incredible seasons under his belt. Keston Hura, a very good young player. I don't know, man. I smell an over with this number. I know we're kind of we're going very, very careful with some of these. Most of these we've punted on. This is one in particular where, like, I feel like I've been fooled before or I fooled myself into thinking wrong about the Brewers. I'm not going to do it this year. I'm not going to fool myself. I don't love the depth of the Cubs in that rotation. I God knows that the, the Reds could turn on a dime, be good or bad with that rotation after Bauer or Bauer and then after. And then, of course, you got the Pirates, another team. You're kind of looking at yourself and go, oh, that's a team in transition. The Brewers are set up here in a unique spot where they have an MVP caliber talent, a transcendent guy who can carry you for two months. They have some other pieces around that are very good. They have a great bullpen and they might have enough pitching to hold up for two months as opposed to six. They could actually get the job done. I actually like the lean on the over here. Okay. All right. Well, listen, um, I don't I don't love it, but, you know, the one thing that I would guess with this team is that you'll feel really good until the last week and then it'll be up to that. I feel like you're probably this, right. This is I just, one that's going to come down to the wire. Probably. I feel just, like this man, the division like is just very 500 ish. Every year I keep writing them off and every year they keep proving me all wrong. Right, so at a certain, point, Go, at listen, a certain point, I have to like, I have to right, give so them credit, right? You're in. You got, you're in, in on the over. Min, in. Uh, minus 118. Not terrible odds either. No. All right. Minnesota, on the other hand, is minus 122 on the over. That's one of the bigger ones that we've seen on a total. So uh, clearly 
this is trending toward 35, and the Twins, other than losing Sano, have been pretty quiet. Of course, tomorrow we'll hear about some guy being out for the year, but for now, it's been very quiet with them. Uh, we haven't seen plus money on any of the over-unders that we've done here thus far. This is the first plus money I've seen on the under uh, at 34.5. You bet 100, you actually get 100 back. And on FanDuel, uh, for these totals in particular, that's sort of rare. It's been laying 105 to win 100, laying 120 to win 100. And I, and I kind of get it. Look, the Twins are one of the very few teams that you could say are are all in on 2020. They're there. They they really are happy with what they did last year. Uh, they acquired players at the trade deadline, which is something they almost never do. They got Romo. They gave up a really good player to Miami for him. Uh, they got Josh Donaldson in the offseason. They overpaid for him, too. The general manager of the Braves, Alex Anthopoulos, basically said, you know, we offered Donaldson a lot of money, but yeah. man, the Twins just came in and and offered way more than we could have ever done with this, and gave him extra years. So mm -hmm. it's 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 time for the Twins to win. And when you're that far in, and you're looking at a win total, you're looking at 34 and a half, and you're saying to yourself, okay, in 30 days, what are the Twins going to do? They're going to add. You know, that's a team that's going to add and try and continue to push. So you like that possibility for them as well. But if you want to play the other side of it, the antithesis of it, uh, look, 35, 36 wins is a lot in a 60-game season for a team that has only had one really good year in the last five. So if the Twins even come back 20% off where they were last year, this would go under. Joe, how do you see this one? Yeah, this is a stay away for me uh, because, again, there are a lot of unknowns here. This is a team that rolled in the regular season, man. They were just rolling teams. This lineup, starting with Kepler all the way through, Rosario was very underrated. We know Cruz had a great season. I mean, the list goes on and on. Polanco in the two-hole was so good. Now you had Donaldson to this lineup, too. My God, it's terrific. The two biggest additions are definitely Rich Hill and Kenta Maeda because if you recall, you know, you, you know, yeah, I, and that's why I'm here, Craig. I'm here to pick up the slack here on FST. They got pitchers too. That's right. They pitchers got pitchers that are ready to pitch now. Pitchers that are ready to pitch now specifically. Rich Hill was not in April, but he is now. For and now. I got <laughs> for now. For what time is it? Uh, okay, right now, as of us saying this right now, he's ready right now. But Kenta Maeda and Rich Hill are the two things that I think are very different with this team, which I think will help them in the playoffs because this team rolled in the regular season. When they got to the playoffs, they were starting a guy who was an Uber driver two weeks before. And that is something like you can't have. You cannot have that happen. And I think you looked at it and go, well, we're completely not structured properly. So we have enough offense to win a, a, an extended period of time to beat teams over a period of time, whether it's six months or 60 games. The problem is when you get into a short series with the Twins. Now... You have Barrios, you have Odorizzi. If you have Hill and Maeda or one of the two of them, potentially, that is at least giving you a better shot. It's giving you a puncher's chance to be competitive. I actually would prefer to see some of the odds on the Twins in a World Series than necessarily in a win total because I feel like this is a team, again, could get red hot. I still have some questions about the bullpen. That's kind of where I'm, I'm at. And if they are in all completely with Donaldson in that contract, then – they are a team that should be a buyer right now, too, for more help in the bullpen, because I think no, that is the other Achilles their heel. their bullpen is very good. No, bullpen. <sighs> Do you feel good about them in the big spot, though? I know they're, again, it's it's like they're not like battle-tested. The they have, so, I mean. I know, but like, Romo, when you go to Romo's pitched in huge games. Yeah, but Romo's also blown huge saves in his career, too. Let's let's be honest. Like, that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about money saves. I'm talking about, like, the ones that Trevor Romo, Hoffman Romo used to blow. World, three World Series, isn't he? Uh, he wasn't the closer for all of those. No, no, no. In fact, he had got he had lost his job in at least one of them. Maybe I the recall. last one he did. I, I, thought he was, I, thought, I don't I mean, think he Taylor was Rogers in any of them, right but now. I think that he was great in the seventh and eighth. What inning. I'm saying is Taylor Rogers is the guy right now, and we just don't know. Like that that's the thing. It's it's not that they can't be. He could. He could be a magical guy, go on a run. But I think the one thing for me is I like them as a playoff team. If there's odds for them to be a playoff team, I'm all in. I think they're absolutely a playoff team. I don't want to get involved with Wintos with the Twins because I'm just not sure still about the bullpen. How about you? Are you leaning one way or the other with this one? Uh, look, I think Cleveland's still going to be good, and I think the White Sox are going to be good. So if anything, I would I would take a shot here. I'm getting some value on the under, and I would say, look, if they go 33-30, uh, and 30, is that that crazy? I don't, I don't think so, and their schedule is not easy. So um, that's a direction that I would go, but it's not a strong lean there, just an opinion. All right, coming up next, the first official fantasy football draft of the season is underway. The Scott Fish Bowl will tell you what that is and how it's going coming up next. 
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Now, one of these years, I got to reach out to Scott Fish. And, and offer my services to join one of these drafts because I know that I have just been flat out lazy about asking to be in because I, I want to be in for the sake of this is something really good for charity and fantasy cares. And um, and I know that he won uh, the award, like the humanitarian award for fantasy. And, and to me, like the league itself is probably nonsense, but I, I think the <laughs> idea as to what he has behind him is really fantastic and, and deserves a lot of credit. And for people who don't know, um, this is a league that goes on, and it's called the Scott Fish Bowl. Um, his name is Scott Fish. And I know there's a lot of you out there who may be watching for the first time and saying, well, what is this all about? And so essentially uh, it's like an invitation-only event. So there is some prestige involved with it to be able to be invited and get in it and only – uh, people who ask and then are accepted are in it, too. And I don't really understand how all that works. But one of these years, I am going to remember, mm-hmm. maybe it's this year for next, I'm going to remember to ask to do it because my uh, timeline on Twitter is filled with everybody talking about it. And I don't mind it. I actually like reading it and le- and read what people think and, and all that. And I think that that's fun. And for our show in particular, I think it's super cool because you are involved in it. And the Fantasy Black Book is, too. Yes. And... Um, and, and, and I took a look at some of the players that you drafted, and I think that it is a really interesting, um, really interesting strategy that you have, and I'm actually liking what I've seen. Oh, oh no. Thus far. It must be the end of the show. Craig is happy with something I've done. <laughs> I, I, I actually see what you did, and, <laughs> and I kind of like the idea for the pandemic reasons and for mm-hmm. – um, you know, it, it's interesting if you were watching the show earlier with Howard Bender, one of the suggestions that I made is I think that it may be if you're doing several leagues in your best interest to literally consider drafting one team in football. And you may say, what do you mean by that? Well, I mean, look, if you have all your handcuffs in place and something happens to a couple of your guys, you know who the next man up is because you got them. And so drafting mm-hmm. all Chiefs or drafting all Saints and drafting all Falcons. I mean, it's, it's, it's not it's not a terrible idea. Now, look, the converse of that is you have a shot of the whole team getting wiped out, sure. and then and then you lose. But you know what? Isn't that the way you want to play? Go big or go home, and then you know uh, if that well, happens, this, it happens. When you're playing against thousands of people, you play big or go home because that's you may, what you're you doing. You may as well. So look, um, look, I, I don't think the Falcons are going to be good, but it's very clear. That uh, And in my opinion, they are not going to be able to run the ball at all, which is going to force them to throw the ball. And you are all in in this league on the foul. <laughs> I am in. Look, I understand you have Barkley and Josh Allen, some other players, too, at Superflex. Yeah, but the bottom line is for Joe Pizapia. <laughs> it's Scott ride Fish or die. Bowl, the, the Falcons word. better be really good on offense. You got well, no shot. I mean, that's, well, that's, that's, but that's fine. I'm OK with that, though. I'm what okay team, with- who, who threw the ball more than anybody last year? The Falcons. Okay, yeah, and, and I don't who see that changing. Third, who was third in yards last year in the air? The yeah, Falcons, exactly. I don't see any of that changing? I don't see any of that changing either, my friend. And and again, this is these are these are strange rules. So before you even get to that, if you missed already, I actually did have Scott Fish on the program with us. Right. Uh, so you can always go back and check it out on demand on our YouTube channel. Subscribe to Sports Grid on the YouTube side of things, and you can go back and watch that interview there with myself and Scott Fish and find out more about Fancy Care. So Fancy Care is basically does a great job. And, and, a great and me job. not being in the league is is all of my fault. Well, because you would have to prepare somewhat in the month of June for football, which is not Craig Mish style. It's it's not. I'm a baseball guy it's in right. June. I'll send you a black It's my fault. Be- I'm the one. It, you know, no one has ever told me I couldn't be in the league. I just have forgotten every year to to uh, to ask. Well, me. look, here, here's the thing. It raises money for people who don't know for Fantasy Care. So even if you're not a part of this, you can still go out and donate to Fantasy Cares, which is uh, they're raising money for Toys for Tots. And this year they're doing something because of the pandemic even greater. We're doing things for food banks and lots of other stuff. And the Fantasy Black Book is involved, too. So you see this fancy book behind me right here? The Fantasy Football Black Book 2020 on Amazon. If you buy one this week, we make a donation 
from the proceeds of all the sales this week. We did it last year. We raised almost $300 worth to donate uh, just from, you know, 1% of sales or whatever it was. And it's amazing this year. I'd like to double that amount if we can. So if you buy a black book this week, it goes to uh, Fantasy Cares and some of these charities. We always do this. This is the fourth year now we're doing it, I believe. And in August, if you really want to wait for fantasy football, we do one for St. Jude's Children's Hospital. And uh, last year we came close. So I think $500 we were able to raise to just from one or two days worth of sales there in a, por a portion, which is great. We want to help people here and we want to help them win their leagues. And we want to help people do some good as well. Now, in this particular situation, this is a very strange format. So it's not IDP. That's the only not weird wrinkle that it exists here because you have this weird tight end premium thing where tight ends have, uh, you know, get points for first downs where they get more points than other players that normally wouldn't tight end because you're trying to elevate that position a little bit. It's also right. super flex. So there's lots of weird things. I am not of the mind where I'm chasing and overpaying for tight end because of that one wrinkle in the scoring. I'm just not going to do it. Why? Because there's only a finite number of tight ends that are really big time cogs in their offense. So if someone's going to overpay and draft Travis Kelsey, a top five overall, I'm not going to do it. I'm not Is that chasing. What happened? Uh, yeah. <laughs> in a lot of leagues, he basically goes in those top 10. In this particular okay. one, uh, Kelsey went eighth, uh, excuse me, ninth overall. And I'm not just going to be that guy. Now, I had the third overall pick here, and uh, I took Saquon Barkley. Very happy with that. Wanted to get that running back, even though I had a shot at taking um, Lamar Jackson. I decided to. Kind of just hold the phone a little bit with that. Start off with Saquon. Then Julio Jones makes it all the way back to me in the second round. There's no way I'm passing on Julio Jones. I'm sorry. You go back and look at the track record of this guy, and it is shocking to me how people continuously put Devontae Adams over him, Craig. I am sick and tired of it. I am planting my flag on this, and I'm going to say it again. Julio Jones will have better fantasy numbers when all said and done than Devontae Adams again this year. And uh, you're also looking where where's the other compliment there? In Green Bay, why is that guy going so far and away above when he is the focal point in the passing game and everybody knows it? It's going to be really difficult for him to have some great games, I think, this year. Sure. He's a great talent, but the one thing Julio's got is his good pal Calvin Ridley on the other side of him. And when you saw Sano leave this offense last year, when Mohamed Sanu left for New England, all of a sudden you see all those targets go directly to Calvin Ridley. That's not changing this year. Austin Hooper also gone. Yeah, Hayden Hurst is there, but you know what? I'm telling you, Calvin Ridley is that budding superstar. To me, he is this year's version, and Andrew Erickson said it on the program today, and I agreed with him there again. Mike Taglier said it on this program as well. He's like Chris Godwin last year, the guy who's going to go from number two wide receiver to number one, and adding in Matt Ryan was a no-brainer because in a super flex, how many guys have the ability to throw for over 4,500 yards and about 30 touchdowns? Not a whole lot, so give me Matt Ryan. And Josh Allen is the other quarterback. So I'm looking at the quarterback. Yes, I know the I'm not. order that you took these guys in? Uh, the order was Saquon Barkley, Julio Jones, then Matt Ryan, Josh Allen. So I doubled right. up there. On the you have to have two good quarterbacks. You do. And I, in lieu of not having that second great running back. Or you can have Case Keenum, you know. Or you can have Case Keenum like Craig likes to do in Superflex. Uh, and whatever other third string, like Matt Barkley. Actually, somebody accidentally took Matt Barkley in one of the satellite leagues instead of Saquon Barkley. They just hit the wrong thing. Oh, so that's uh, that's a sad, sad story. Count? But yeah, it? It, it counts, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but you're absolutely right. And what I was trying to do here, offsetting the quarterbacks, is I got the one stand in the pocket quarterback in Matt Ryan. And then I got Josh Allen, who, in lieu of having that really great second running back, I have a guy that's also going to run the football and get some rushing touchdowns as well and kind of offset that. So I'm looking at that. I got Allen, Matt Ryan, two QB1s, an RPV. That's fantastic. I create an advantage. I've got an RPV, a relative position value, which is Black Book 101. Advantage at Saquon Barkley is the number one running back. Julio is number one wide receiver. So I'm looking at this team, and I am an RPV machine. Yeah, I mean, right I mean you, you obviously have to believe that Ridley's going to be what you're saying, oh, which is fine. I'm not sure that, that I would go that far with him. Okay. Uh, but look. The two quarterbacks that you have in a league like this are going to stack up against anybody's. There's no doubt. Your top running back is going to stack up against anybody's. Your top receiver will too. So the things that you'll that will, in my my opinion, will. And now I, again, I don't understand the whole tight end thing and how that's going to work. So I'll see who you end up with, and I would mm -hmm. assume soon you're. There's still go guys like Higby, Fant, Jack Doyle, all out there still. Okay, so, so Fant you'll end up getting. Right, All exactly. right. So, so um, you know, Ridley will have to take the next step for you. But the one yep. thing that I would say in looking at it is that my guess would be is that, I mean, you have Kareem Hunt and you have James White. I don't really love either of them, but who would at this stage? I mean, you've already taken so many guys. You have to have someone. My guess is your, your 
the running back that plays most for you this year hasn't been drafted by you yet. I would, guess, <laughs> I would well, guess maybe there's the a chance of that. Well, look, what I'm trying to do here is make up for it gaming the system a little bit. Because if you look at the track record of Cam Newton with, you know, running backs who can catch the football, it's pretty good. And not just Christian McCaffrey. Did but he get drafted yet? Uh, Cam Newton, I have to look. I don't see, I believe he did actually just recently in okay. this draft as it goes on. But I will say this, James White, Kareem Hunt, they're not going to get the same amount of carries, but they are going to touch the football as much as some other guys. And what we want is opportunities in full point PPR. What we want are guys that can make up for the lack of rushing yards with sure. receiving points. Mm -hmm. So even though, you know, they might only have 50 yards rushing or 40 yards rushing or something like that, if they catch five or six balls in a game, that totally counteracts that. It's a push. So what I want is involvement in the office. I think White's going to do that. I think Kareem Hunt is going to do that big time, and he's going to remind everybody how good he was. You go back and look at Kareem Hunt's pace last oh, year when he came I, back. I agree. I just like Trump a lot. And you know what? In all fairness, too, for depth, I took Jordan Howard, too, as a fourth running back. So I do have four running backs on this roster right now. I don't love Jordan Howard. I know what he is. But at the same time, I think you can look back on it as a third wide receiver. I've got A.J. Green, who I think is still yeah, capable of having I would like some that. I think he's still capable very much oh, of having yeah, wide receiver yeah. ones. So if things so AJ break, Green's like, going to play somewhere for someone and, and get a thousand someone. yards. And here's my thing, man. I'm looking at this roster right now, currently constructed. I've got potentially three guys who could finish as a number one wide receiver, not number one overall, but as a number one wide receiver. I've got a guy who could potentially finish as the best running back. And I got two quarterbacks that I feel good who will finish yet again, as they did last year as QB ones. And I think that's the best thing you can do. Obviously, you're talking about injuries and depth and things like that. But the point I'm trying to make in this draft is just because there's wrinkles in scoring, don't overspend and chase it. Because at the end of the day, only one team is going to have Kelsey. Kelsey's that guy. Even as good as Kittle is, come on. I mean, Kittle doesn't catch 15 touchdowns in a season. You have to keep that in mind. Don't just go chasing that one guy who is that one advantage there's always room to make up that difference if you know the pool better. And again, I love Superflex. I am the reigning Superflex Flex League champion. So this is my jam. And uh, now I'm going to be looking to get a third quarterback because that is always the one thing you got to do. Interesting, uh, interesting dynamic for this league. All right. Thanks to everybody who watched the show today. Really appreciate you guys for sure. Joe and I will be back here tomorrow for another edition of Fantasy Sports Today as we get closer to the start of the NBA and Major League Baseball. We also want to thank... Andrew Erickson from Pro Football Focus for coming on our program today. Thanks so much, Andrew. Uh, also, Howard Bender from Fantasy Alarm. He appeared on the show as well. Thank you to Brett, Danny, and Ryan, once again, our producers, editors, and graphics operators for getting this show on every single day as they have for the last few months. It's been uh, an uphill battle for all of us uh, getting back on the air, and I think that we've done an excellent job of keeping you guys informed, but without Brett and Danny and Ryan, we have not, uh, we would not be on the air without them, that is for sure. Uh, for my co host Joe Pizza I'm Craig Mish. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day. I look forward to seeing all of you tomorrow right here on Sports Grid at 11 a.m. Eastern. Until then, have a great night. See ya. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.